When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. episode of can you dig it a podcast by silverscreenandroll.com i am christian rivas joined by jacob brood and it's been a while since we've done one of these it feels like there's either holiday weekends or just weekends we figure you know what (laughs) we don't need to do a podcast during the dead of the summer but here we are in september mid-september a few weeks from the start of training camp the lakers roster is not yet filled out uh but they took one step back and then one step forward earlier this week when they tr- signed DeAndre Jordan. That's, you know, the second biggest news of the week, if you will, for going just in terms of recency. Uh, and then Marcus all getting traded back to the Grizzlies for uh, a second round pick and not four. I have to say, Marcus All was packaged with this second round pick and cash considerations uh, to for the draft rights of I don't even know his name. Um, That's entirely <laughs> irrelevant. He's never coming over. Right. So the, it was a salary dump. Um, yeah. I guess the good place to start would just be your first reactions on that move getting done. Was there any part of you that thought Mark was going to be on the roster after they signed EJ? Oh, certainly not. Uh, I, the writing had kind of been on the wall. Uh, it seemed for a while that Mark was going to stay around. He had the comment after, I believe, after Spain finished the Olympics that he said he was intended on coming back and playing another year. Um, not really sure what happened between then and Friday, I believe, is when the trade went through. Um because he's getting bought out and going straight back to Spain to, I believe, a club he owns. It's a version. He played in Girona um, when he was younger. And then I believe that club dissolved and he helped start up a a club again, basically. And he's going to go play for that one. So long story short, it's not a surprise. The writing's been on the wall for quite a while. Um, I don't know. I... I'm very much in the minority, both in the trading uh, of Mark Gasol and the signing of DeAndre Jordan in that I don't really know how much Mark Gasol had left in the tank anyway. It didn't look pretty at times after the first about 20 games of the season last year. And even that was, I mean, stats-wise it looked good, but it never seemed like the Lakers were able to unlock him. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I mean, I'm a little higher. We'll, we'll talk more about DeAndre here in a bit, but I'm a little higher on DeAndre than I think a lot of Lakers fans are. But, yeah, I, Mark's been good as gone for a couple of weeks now, and it was just a matter of the Lakers finding uh, someone to bring in for his spot, and DeAndre ended up finally being that person. And it's unfortunate that, Mark Gasol's exit and DeAndre Jordan's arrival is going to be kind of clouded by the whole Mark Gasol versus DeAndre Drummond debate in a similar way that the Andre Drummond Mark Gasol debate ran rampant 
throughout the tail end of last season. Um, and there was some credence to those arguments. The fact that the Lakers promised Andre Drummond a starting job when Marcus Hall, by all accounts, was doing a fine job in that role was a little curious. And we have no idea what the starting, uh, who the starting center is going to be, whether it's DeAndre Jordan or Dwight Howard. I think that's going to be deciding in training camp. Uh, if I had a guess, I, I guess DeAndre Jordan's going to be the starting center. But, you know, who knows at this point? What we do know is that DeAndre Jordan and Marcus All are very different players. And I think where that argument has to start, or any honest argument um, with the DeAndre Jordan versus Marcus All thing, is what does DeAndre Jordan do better than Marcus All? Like you said, we will get into that a little deeper in the show. But I think right off the bat, you look at uh, defense and rebounding. But it's the specific type of defense that DeAndre Jordan provides compared to Marcus Gasol because to flat out say Marcus Gasol isn't a good defender I think is is being unfair to him because he is still a very large human being and you could tell that when he wasn't you know walking or running back on defense or or had his back to the basket uh trying to guard the perimeter he was a force in the paint, just putting his hands up, um, you know, was a decent paint protector, shot blocker, whatever you want to call him. Lakers fans not might not remember that because of what Cameron Payne did to him in the postseason. It seems like, you know, every time Cameron Payne got to the rim, Marcus Hall didn't have an answer for him. And I think what what sticks with me the most about that series is when Marcus all came on the floor, it opened things up for the Lakers offensively defensively. I think the Lakers when Anthony Davis was healthy, were actually better with Andre Drummond at center. And that's when I was like, you know what? Maybe the Marcus all Hill isn't worth dying on at least not start Marcus all could Marcus all have played a bigger role in the postseason in a 10 to 12 minute role. Yes. And I think the same could have been true of his role this season. Um, and, you know, for being honest, I, I think there will be a need for that type of player on the roster down the line, but I get the Lakers thinking in going back to the two big man, two center rotation that they had success with in JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. I just, I can say pretty confidently, I think JaVale McGee's a better player than Dwight Howard, who the Lakers dumped to get Marcus Gasol in addition to a second-round pick, and then a year later trading a second-round pick with Marcus Gasol and cash considerations to get off of Gasol's contract. So it's an it's been an interesting year at the center position for the Lakers, uh, and you know I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I mean, I've written this a couple times. Um, the Lakers are basically going back to what worked for them in mm-hmm. the uh, the title winning season. It still hasn't been a year since the Lakers won a title. Um, and, I mean, Dwight is going to be Dwight again, and then DeAndre is filling that JaVale role. When it comes to Gasol, I mean, you're right. He was still a decent defender. Um 
there probably couldn't have been a worse matchup for him in the playoffs than that specific Suns team with uh, Booker and Chris Paul and even that version of campaign. Mm-hmm. All so good coming off screens and attacking in the mid-range or at the rim. And that is the biggest weakness in Gasol's game. Um, so, like, for me personally, it probably, I mean, it's certainly unfair, but that's the image I have of Gasol last season is in those playoffs where, I mean, you mentioned he opened up the floor for the Lakers offensively. He kind of opened up the floor for the Suns on the defensive mm-hmm. end right. because he was, I, I mean, he's 36 and a big man. He's going to be slow-footed. It's not necessarily uh, a knock on him. I don't, I don't want it to seem like I'm criticizing him, but um, that's just kind of how it is. So it, it was rough. I mean, certainly the Lakers didn't do him any favors by the whole Drummond thing, which I don't want to relitigate all that again. But um, I think with what they wanted, though, on top of kind of moving back to uh, that two center, two athletic kind of rim or uh, working around the rim centers is JaVale and Dwight were really good as like kind of innings eaters with if we're like drawing a comparison to baseball and that in the regular season, they're going to play a bunch of minutes and eat up a ton of time on the court so that Anthony Davis only has to play center very sparingly in certain matchups. Um, I mean, I remember that jazz game where Frank Vogel came out in the second half and said, AD you're playing center. Like you can remember the, the regular season games because AD just doesn't, he doesn't do it. I think really too much is made about it because when it is playoff time and when it's winning time, he plays center and that title winning team, Dwight and Dwight and JaVale didn't play. So ultimately a lot of these arguments about Deandre versus Mark Gasol and um, whether the Lakers, whether Deandre has anything left or yada, 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 it's really kind of irrelevant. Like, I think DeAndre is going to be able to eat up more innings, play more minutes than Gasol can at this point. And because, I mean, DeAndre has been an Ironman for his whole career. Um, he is going to be able to, to play all those minutes and then come playoff time, ideally, knock on wood, Anthony Davis is your center. And it really doesn't matter at that point. So I think that is the Lakers thought process, at least that's my thought process towards it is that they're just basically going back to what works, which you can't really fault them for. And then, I mean, they wanted a, a lob threat kind of vertical spacer. They reportedly went after Damian Jones um, earlier in free agency before the Kings uh, guaranteed his contract. So Deandre Jordan's that guy. We'll see. Uh, ultimately, I don't really know how much more Gasol had in the tank anyway. He only played 19 minutes a game last season. You're, I mean, you're going to need more than that from a center, even when AD's healthy. He just simply doesn't want to play center. But, I mean, maybe he does more with Russ. I still have reservations about it. But uh, I ultimately, I'm I'm fine with the move. I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about what DeAndre can do this season. And uh, I mean, ultimately it's a debate about 
about the 12th man, 13th man on this roster. So I don't think it will move the needle too much come winning time. Yeah, and that's why I like I shared my thoughts on it. I think to on the right team, Marcus All is probably a better player than DeAndre Jordan straight up, at least in my opinion. Like if you get I would Marcus agree. If you get Marcus All on the Golden State Warriors, which doesn't seem like it's going to happen, seems like he's going back to Spain. But if you get Mark on the Warriors, I think he does really, really well there. And there becomes a conversation about like, oh, the Lakers let Marcus All go to a contender, and he's you know this great player now. Um, but I really do think it just comes down to the vision the Lakers have for this roster, and it makes sense because you bring back Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan to play with Rajon Rondo and LeBron James, who, and, and Russell Westbrook, let's not forget about him. The big off season acquisition um, guys that just like playing with rim running centers, like yeah. Russell Westbrook turned Steven Adams into a multi-million dollar center. And David Griffin helped with that too. <laughs> and if there's anything I, I guess I'm most excited about this season. Of course, I think Russ is going to bring the most we've seen out of Anthony Davis. I mean, it's hard to, you know, upgrade from LeBron James getting the most out of Anthony Davis, but having another player that that can do those things, especially in the non-LeBron lineups, the Russ AD lineups, I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am for it. I think it's going to be awesome. Um I just but, one last point on yes. on this is I think one thing uh, a lot of people talked about once they signed Russ that uh, Mark might have made more sense to space the floor. I always kind of thought the opposite, and especially when I've been watching various Russ games throughout the last couple seasons for a couple different pieces, and he is really really good at those like dump off passes right around mm-hmm. the rim that's not where Mark Gasol operates anymore. And you need somebody down there because Russ will draw two, sometimes three guys at the rim. And sometimes it's a, he gets a shot up and you need someone down there to get basically an uncontested rebound. Other times he's able to squeeze that pass in there and it's basically an open dunk. I was always, I didn't think Gasol would have started. He definitely wouldn't have played with Russ much. I didn't think, uh, and ultimately he he won't play at all with the Lakers, but I think Russ does a lot better, kind of as you mentioned, with uh, those pick-and-roll bigs that can dive to the rim and, and hang around the rim, be a lob threat, be a, a threat to just finish off um, some of those dump-off passes, which DeAndre is really, really good at. And the last thing I'll say about you know, Mark not coming back before we head into the break is to, you know, similar to your point, I think the idea with the AD Mark front court is that Mark was going to space the floor and that AD was going to dominate in the paint. As we saw last season, that wasn't the case with AD at all. He hung around the perimeter and fell in love with the jump shot. I hope the jump shot falls eventually. Um, but even if it doesn't, I, I think that is more the type of player he sees himself as. And in the regular season, at least, I think that's fine. Like, I I think Frank's comfortable letting him operate in that role. 
Uh, but if you're going to have AD operate in that role, you do need that rim running uh, center to put pressure on the rim. And, you know, DeAndre Jordan, if nothing else, is that at this stage of his career, offensively, defensively, I was surprised uh, to look at some of the numbers I saw. We'll talk about that and, and everything DeAndre Jordan when we come back from the break. So as I do when the Lakers sign a, a new guy, the first thing I do is look at tape and see if the stats match up with what I'm seeing. And I think this is one of the first times where I've looked into one of the Lakers new signings where the stats surprised me more than the eye test, if you will, did. Like DeAndre Jordan as a rim protector and a shot blocker, he isn't what he used to be. He's not a defensive player of the year candidate or an all defensive first team player. Um, or at least he hasn't been on his teams as of late, but he's still above average. Like I, and from what I saw uh, watching tape, I, I didn't expect that. And maybe that's because I was looking at the wrong types of plays. Like I, Marcus all was no spring chicken when it came to guarding the perimeter. But <laughs> if your argument for Marcus all over Deandre Jordan is mobility, you are speaking strictly in terms of <laughs> Deandre Jordan's leaping ability because his actual mobility when it comes to guarding the perimeter and even like as a help defender is pretty atrocious. I'm, I, I don't think there's any other way of putting it. I watched a lot of DeAndre Jordan film where the help defense just wasn't there. And if you got him out in the perimeter, you're cooked. He's cooked rather. Uh, so that's, I think right off the bat, those are my two biggest issues with DeAndre Jordan. But as, as I noted, as a shot blocker and as a paint protector, still pretty damn good. And I think if, if you're the Lakers, you should feel comfortable going with Anthony Davis and DeAndre Jordan as your front court in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, he reminds me a lot of JaVale, basically, which is, again, it's a point I've kind of reiterated. I've tried to change it up. But, I mean, ultimately, that's what the Lakers are doing is – going back to that JaVale Dwight type of model. Um, I mean, you're right. Defensively, he's basically a drop man, and he's not coming out at all. Mm -hmm. He's a very deep drop man on the pick-and-roll coverages. And, I mean, I think he's in his best, and I know Pete's mentioned this, as a the Lakers played a, a no-roller behind defense when it came to the pick-and-roll. And – keeping that role man in front of the the big right there. I mean, that's DeAndre at this point in his career. So he should be able to step in in that regard. I think this team is going to look a lot like that title team in a couple of ways, um, but specifically kind of on that defensive end. And this, I mean, the Lakers really have leaned into this, like, bigger, faster, stronger mentality, yeah. especially getting Russ. They were certainly doing that then. And DeAndre kind of uh, adds to that. Like, they are going to be bully, bullies at the rim again. Um, DeAndre isn't the guy he once was as a rim protector. But, I mean, when you're as big as he is and can still jump as high as he can, 
you're going to alter shots still. Like, that's not going away. And so specifically on the defensive end, they're just going to make it really tough to um, finish at the rim. That was – I I'll try to find it. I wrote about it a little bit at one point. But the defense last year – uh, so when they won the title, they were really good offensively at just getting to the rim and scoring at the rim, and then defensively um, just not letting people score at the rim. Mm-hmm. And last year that went away because that's not who Trez and Mark Gasol were. The Lakers just kind of funneled guys to the middle when they had Dwight and JaVale, and that's not what you can do with Trez and uh, Gasol. They're going to go back to doing that this season, I would assume. And so, I mean, that also helps in some of the transition opportunities too where, I mean, Russ and LeBron are two of the best in the game, two of the best all time in transition. So it seems like they're just going back to that. And DeAndre is going to be able to do that. I think his role is going to be really simplified And I said that uh, one other time and I kind of realized that like he was playing with three superstars in Brooklyn. It's not like his role was like complicated or heavy in Brooklyn, but with the Lakers, it's going to be on offense, hang in that dunker spot, set some screens, which he's really, really good at dunk the ball and on defense, protect the rim. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you saw with JaVale and with Dwight, especially Dwight, you didn't have any kind of expectations for him when he came in. And when you gave him that simplified role, he succeeded. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a similar type of, I don't want to say turnaround because he was still decent last year, but similar type of kind of revival a little bit of DeAndre this season with a just an extremely simplified role. And I, I think what's important to note when comparing his situation with the Nets and Lakers is that Playing alongside somebody like Anthony Davis just puts a lot less pressure on centers in general. I don't care who you are. Having a defensive multi or a multi-positional defender at the four and somebody who can do it at an elite level like Anthony Davis. Um, and, you know, I say like Anthony Davis because I'm sure there are a few examples in history of, of people that defend the four and five like Anthony Davis, but the truth is right now there are only like a handful of or one or two players that can defend like Anthony Davis. Um, so I think that's going to help and, and probably change his numbers in a positive way next season. Um, just having a guy like that next to him. Just real quick. I found those numbers. So, when they won the title, they were second in frequency of attempts at the rim offensively, first in accuracy, and were fifth in opponent shooting percentage at the rim. Last season, they were sixth in offensive frequency, seventh in accuracy, and 16th in defensive accuracy. So they did not, they were just very, very average at protecting the rim. And then they weren't nearly as good offensively at it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I wanted to, to, find those numbers, but I would imagine that it'll look a lot closer to that 2019, 20 team. And anybody that watched the 2019, 20 season from start to finish and watched last season uh, could tell you that the biggest difference between those two seasons is how much 
uh, <laughs> those lob plays were thrown. Like it felt like every game uh, in the 2019-20 season, one of the first five plays the Lakers ran was that lob, that backdoor cut to JaVale McGee. Um, you could, you know, if they you had did a, it off the the tip multiple times. Right, just JaVale running backdoor <laughs> on that, and yeah, there's gonna even if it's DeAndre, there's that's gonna happen a lot again. Like, I think that's your free space on the bingo card this season, whether it's Dwight <laughs> or or DJ. So it'll be a return to normalcy in some sense, but I I would not be surprised if midway through the season there's a report that comes out about the Lakers wanting more versatility in their front court. Like, if if you look at the forward depth behind Anthony Davis. There are players that at this stage of the careers are probably better suited to play the four, like Carmelo Anthony and Trevor Reza. However, neither of those guys are fours or even big men. Like your three big men on the roster are Anthony Davis, DeAndre Jordan, and Dwight Howard. And outside of Anthony Davis, I don't know that you can call any of those players versatile. You can't go small in that lineup. Like Anthony Davis is your small ball five, sure. Um, But beyond that, I'm very, very, very interested to see how teams react to them having this two-center rotation and how the Lakers themselves, the the lineups they put around – you know, DJ and Dwight when Anthony Davis isn't on the floor. Uh, and God forbid we get a lineup uh, without LeBron or AD on the floor because I, I think that's when things have the potential to get dicey. Sorry, I blacked out halfway through that because LeBron just sent a tweet that had 31 emojis in it. <laughs> um, but he, it's about Anthony Davis and the NFL. But no, I, I don't disagree. And if we're comparing that 2019-20 roster to this one, I think one of the things, to your point, that we're going to find out will hurt us is not having a Markeith Morris on the team because particularly in the bubble, in the playoffs, he was able to play that center position and also space the floor, again, especially against Houston. He was enormous against Houston. Uh, him and AD were really, really good all playoffs together because he was willing to take some of those bigger guys while <laughs> also offering spacing on the other end. Those guys are hard to find. Like, I don't disagree. The Lakers want to keep an o- open roster spot going into the season. I think ultimately they probably signed James Ennis since he's campaigning really hard to uh, <laughs> to become a Laker. I think they signed him. I really wish they'd sign Wesley Matthews. I, w- I wish they would have brought him back. I don't really understand what's going on with him because it's just complete radio silence right now. Yeah. The fact that he's not on a single roster is a little like, is the only reason I think the door is open for him to return. Because if it's not like, I thought, especially at the end of the season, he looked a lot more like the Wesley Matthews people are accustomed to seeing. So the fact that he's not on the roster at all is a little interesting to me. Yeah, he definitely, if you look at his stats, they weren't great, but 
I thought he passed the eye test. And I have said multiple times he was one of the few guys I thought was like a positive player for, against the Suns other than LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I would – I think that 15th roster space in season, they're going to try to find somebody that is like Markeith Morris. I, I mean – I haven't even really looked to see who that might be as a buyout because those types of players, like they're hard to find. And if they, the ones that exist are not going to be bought out, like teams value that unless you're the Detroit Pistons who just bought out (laughs) players and handed them to contenders for nothing left and right. Um, So yeah, I don't disagree, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how the team handles that early in the season, who, if they even, like, I just don't know. They just, That play just doesn't exist in the roster. I can't imagine LeBron's going to be playing small ball five minutes. So maybe they just stick with it. And, I mean, again, if they just are completely set, no matter what, on playing with a big man on the floor, then that's another reason you get DeAndre. Because for a long time, I don't think it's the case anymore he just never missed games. Like he, <laughs> like when he was with the Clippers, he just had a string of like, yeah, 2012, 13. And then the next three seasons, he played all 82 games. So like I said, I, and certainly last season, I think he didn't play their last 16 games. He was healthy. They just went younger and went smaller. Um, but again, He's able to eat up more of those innings so that later in the season, ideally, LeBron, AD, whatever other center is going to be able to come in and um, be healthy. I think the other thing, kind of switching topics a little bit here about going back to DeAndre, the one thing that I don't know that enough has been made about is how good DeAndre is around the rim. Yeah. He's coming off a career year last year where he shot 76.4%. Uh, or excuse me, no, 80%. Sorry, I keep looking at the wrong number. Cleaning the glass. He shot 80% at the rim last year. It's still a career high. It was in the 96th percentile among bigs. And it also came with, um, I believe, 80% of his shots were assisted at the rim. So he already kind of moved into that role as like a dump-off big man that, Um, finishes around the rim and he did it really really well and so I think that's an that's another reason I'm really optimistic about this fit working with the Lakers this season yeah I I mean look his field goal percentage like his career field goal percentage is just nasty and you know if Damian Jones was any indication of how the Lakers plan to reward their next lob threat promising to never take one for granted again after having Montrezl <laughs> and Marc Gasol, uh, then DeAndre Jordan's going to have another career year. I, I, I think there is not enough there yet to have your pitchforks out and say the Lakers signed DeAndre Jordan. This sucks. Um, I will admit it's not, you know, my favorite signing they've ever had, but I mm-hmm. think it's like, at the end of the day, I believe it'll be a net neutral. And I don't know if there were many ways for them to 
upgrade beyond keeping Marcus all around, which had its downsides as well. So I, this, this move is just always going to be tied to Mark departing. Mm-hmm. I, it certainly sounds that Mark was going to depart no matter who they signed. And so it's a little, it's a little unfair on Deandre. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, right? It's like, we don't even know if Mark wanted to be back. Um, yeah. we don't know why Mark's not on the team anymore. And I think that's another reason why you can't just say like, well, the Lakers just should have kept Marcus all, um, they could have, he was a player under contract. Uh, but as we all know, it's, it's not always that simple. So I totally the agree. Fact he's, the fact he's taking a buyout and immediately going back to Spain. Yeah. Seems to signal that. Maybe he was just kind of over it with the NBA, which, I mean, fair play. I'd love to get paid to play basketball <laughs> in Spain. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the fact he's not – teams would still sign him, like mm-hmm. especially contenders. So the fact he's just not hanging around at all, I mean, I, again, I know he said after the Olympics he wanted to come back and play. He fully intended. Maybe it was what his agent told him to say to keep some leverage but certainly seems like he went home to Spain and realized actually this is a lot more fun <laughs> and uh, is going to go back there. But yeah, I, it's, it's going to, it's a little harsh on Deandre to tie his arrival to Gasol's departure because Gasol was a fan favorite. I was a big fan of it when they signed him because as you said earlier, just like on paper, AD and Gasol together seemed like it made a ton of sense, but the, I mean, ultimately the way AD played last season didn't help Gasol at all. Like AD needed to be the rim protector on defense and whatnot. And he just, I mean, honestly, he just didn't come in to the season in shape and never was that for the team. So um, it never worked out. It wasn't entirely Gasol's fault. So all, but, I mean, Gasol's also lost a pretty big step at this point, and fair play to him. I, I hope he enjoys life in Spain because uh, he, was, he was always a lot of fun. He'll always be a Laker, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how, whether the team can just kind of flawlessly go back into the mode that it was in 2019-20 because, and like we said, it worked, but uh, we'll see if, DeAndre is able to kind of fulfill that JaVale role and, and play the same way that he was able to. Yeah. I think we can, we can both say best of luck to both Marcus all and DeAndre Jordan this season. Yeah. Uh, that'll do it for our show this week. Um, I have a hot take. I could fire off before we head out and that is fire off and log are you ready? <laughs> yeah, it is after the trade deadline when there are reports of the Lakers needing more versatility in the front court, the Cavaliers are going to wave and stretch Kevin Love, and Kevin Love oh. will be a Laker. No, that's not a hot take. Yeah, that, no, I'd, I'd, that's the final roster spot right there. I I wouldn't hate it at that point. Like, yeah, he provides spacing, and if you get a version of AD that wants to play defense around the rim, like it makes sense. So yeah, I wouldn't hate it. I I was going to be a lot more worried because I'm. 
the trade exception. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I, I, you with hot takes. Like last time we did a podcast, you were staining for Houston, so I didn't really, I didn't really know where that was gonna go. But yeah, I was like, he's gonna say something wild, and then I'm going to be on with Alex and Alex later this week. And I was like, cool. Now I'm gonna have to be the one that deals with Christian <laughs> going wild. So, but yeah, no, I, Kevin Love would be one of the few guys that would kind of fill that Markeith role. Obviously isn't kind of the able to bring that level of toughness, but he's able to be a big that can space the floor. I, yeah, that honestly, if I had to lay money down right now, I would say he's probably the favorite to take that last roster spot in season because Mm -hmm. of so many connections between both LeBron and Russ. I don't think it's fair to say I was standing Houston saying they're going to finish like 14th instead of 15th is not standing. You were way too big of a fan of them. <laughs> to say I was to say I was standing Minnesota is a little more fair. I am much higher on them than a lot of people seem to be, and it has everything to do with um, me just fully buying into the D'Lo Cat friendship. Like at all the good PR that came out about those two, I ate ate it up, and I'm in. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say fully believing into Ben Simmons going. <laughs> I thought that might be some hot take you had, but yeah, no, I, it'll be, it'd be interesting to see how the Lakers use that spot, but it's, I'm ready. It's, it should be fun. DeAndre is going to dunk the ball a lot and that's always fun to watch. Preseason basketball, a few weeks away, we'll get our first look at DeAndre Jordan and the rest of the Lakers squad, which is again, yet to be filled. Who knows who else we'll see. I'm ready for the Lakers to beat the Warriors in the first preseason game. I don't even know if that's who they play. And then warn the NBA again. That's how we'll know if we're back. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that, that takes care of us for this week. We will talk to you again next week about who knows what.